Lord, just let your presence impart into our lives freshness, life. Lord, touch every one of us. And Jesus, we give you all the honor and all the glory for an open heaven over our lives. In Jesus' name we say amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give musicians a clap. They did well. Notice we had a lot of people missing, but boy, it was awesome today. Man, I love those guitars. It was fantastic. Give someone a high five before you sit down. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great to have you here. It's wonderful to be in the house of God. It's wonderful to enjoy entering into the presence of God. It's a conscious choice for us to make that we'll push through barriers in our soul and to touch and experience the presence of Jesus Christ. How wonderful. Okay then. Well, we've got a... Uh, report back from Fiji. We had Tim go over to Fiji. We've got some great things from Fiji. And so we're going to just see a little video clip and then we're going to hear something from the team. So right, lights, let's hear the video clip. Hey, hallelujah. As you can see, it was a great burden and sacrifice to go and minister in mission strip in Fiji. Oh, it was wonderful. And uh, I just want to just say that we actually caught what they had. You know, they have a hunger and passion that we actually just, it just absorbed us. They were just amazing. They, in a church, they have an hour's prayer meeting before their service, and uh, they'll do anything. And it's like we just caught that. It was absolutely amazing, their hunger and passion. So we can learn a lot from the Fijians. And uh, in your newsletter, there'll be a, a bit of a brief report uh, we did up yesterday that's in your newsletter about the trip. But I actually just like to thank the team. The team actually, uh, once you fall in love with the Fijian people, their openness of spirit, and their life and their the laughter and their hospitality, then all the team went that extra mile as well. We had uh, Rod uh, going hours in an open window bus down a, a, sh a really bad road, and then on a, crammed into a little wee boat to go to another island to actually teach some leaders of another church by lantern. And it was awesome. And then Mark was the same. He went away on a bus trip. And after he'd finished prophesying over the whole church, that's the, he started with the, the men, then the ladies, then all the kids, about 60 of them, that they've adopted him, and he can't go anywhere else now but to their village. It's incredible. Sue uh, ended up, they were hungry for music, so she taught them three new songs, and they picked it up just like that. It was just amazing. They were so appreciative of what was done over there. And I couldn't find Diane. She was wherever the ladies were. She was over praying for them and loving on them. It was actually in, it was just an incredible, incredible time that's actually changed us. So have, is there a bureau over there in a village that's got your name on it? Hallelujah. So absolutely, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your, uh, the people who prayed for us. But it's actually changed us and we just can't wait to get back there again. Hallelujah. Outstanding. Had a tremendous time, miracles reported. And, and uh, as always, when you go, you come back changed. Fantastic. Thank you, David. Thank you, team. And thank you to those who have supported them in prayers and various other ways. There's been a lot of ways people support. I think this church is an awesome church, and I think it's fantastic. God's increasing our influence out into nations all around the world. What a great church, eh? Wasn't it great to be part of something that goes beyond where we are? Isn't that fantastic? And so this year, thousands of lives affected by members of this church. It's just an awesome thing. All right, then. Now we've got uh, one more thing I want to do before we just go on. And uh, we have... Uh, how many know we, the principle of honor? How many know honor is a great thing? It's a biblical principle to give honor where honor is due. And uh, that's a godly thing to do that. 
And uh, today I have someone very special here that I want to uh, honor and we want to express uh, gratitude and appreciation to. And uh, uh, pretty well everyone here would know her because pretty well everyone here will have had contact with her at some point. And uh, so I want uh, Sylvia O'Neill to Claude to come up here right now, wherever you're sitting, Sylvia O'Neill to come up. I've asked Neil because Sylvia would never have done what she's done without Neil behind her and supporting her. So we just really just do appreciate that. And uh, let me just uh, share just a little bit. And uh, then we want to make a presentation, actually two presentations in just a moment. Sylvia has worked, uh, been with us, I suppose, for about 18 years. And uh, that's a long, long time. And from the moment they first came into the church... Sylvia and Neil put up their hand. Sylvia put up a hand to become uh, connected in a really committed way, uh, involved in the church uh, as a PA to me and helping as a secretary, which meant pretty well you had to do every kind of thing you could possibly imagine. And uh, so for 18 years she served in that role. She's felt that it's a time for that role to come to a finish and is now moving into a job. She's going to be working for Dave and Sue, uh, working with them, and uh, we'll announce in a short time who is going to be the grand replacement. Very hard to replace. Very hard. However, I'm sure God will provide abundantly. And Sylvia, over the years, has been the front line of the church. Every time you want to ring up, Sylvia was the one you got to talk to. And uh, Sylvia was far more than just a receptionist. She uh, did every other kind of thing as well. She counseled people. She inspired people. She soothed people. She helped irate people be calmed down. And uh, she diverted people to where they needed to go. She was able to give information where people needed to go to get the right help. Uh, she uh, had access to every kind of thing that was going on in the church. So it's like a key point if you wanted to go somewhere or find something out, Sylvia's the one to go to. And uh, she also uh, did all the communication outside the church. And over the years, I've had uh, many, many reports of how wonderful she's been as a uh, frontline person in connecting to people that come. And uh, they've all said she's been a delight to work through. They've always uh, found it uh, just, just wonderful to talk with her and, and uh, her welcoming way, her manner. Uh, she's just shown just an abundance of heart and spirit to help to build the church. And we just really value that. Not only that, uh, she's shown an abundance of uh, loyalty to us. Uh, during these 18 years, there's been seasons where the church has gone through change, many changes. If you'd seen us 18 years ago, you'd hardly recognize the church. But uh, the church has changed tremendously. Churches must change, they must grow, and not all changes are easy. And sometimes change takes place through pain and sorrow and discovery of mistakes. And uh, of course, uh, Sylvia stood with us through all of that period of time, through many, many difficulties, and uh, so I have the utmost honor and respect for Sylvia, for her loyalty as a, uh, as a builder of the house, as a loyalty as a friend, a loyalty as a worker. She has uh, never, in my record, been known to complain in any kind of way or to run anyone down. She's just got such a generous, abundant heart and spirit. Uh, many times you wouldn't realize that she's worked under great pressure. She's had to come uh, back late at night, come here early in the morning, stay on after everyone went back to ensure that things were typed up or run off or that faulty machinery was made to get fixed. Uh, all kinds and manners of things you could hardly believe. And she couldn't have done that without Neil's support and Neil's help. And uh, Neil has been the shoulder upon which she shared many of the difficulties. And uh, it's not easy to keep a good heart when people download their negatives on you. But uh, Sylvia, all through this time, has kept a great heart and spirit. And I believe it's because as a couple, they have stood together and uh, have been faithful in the house of God. And so today, we want to really honor you. We want to stand up, and we want to give her a tremendous clap. 
and just appreciate Sylvia and, of course, Neil with her. Okay, then. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We just love you. Just appreciate you both. Here we are. Please be seated. We've got some flowers. And uh, Ian's just going to make a presentation on behalf of the trust. Church, um, I can remember probably the first time that I ever had contact with this church was on a phone. And the person on the other end of the phone was Sylvia. And this was when we were in St. Albans Street years and years and years ago. And, I'm, and I think you were in the church about three or four or five months before I turned up. And to see what God has done is fantastic. And I have the privilege and pleasure really to, to so honor on behalf of the Board of Trustees and from, on behalf of the church into your life. This is a gift for you and Neil. And we really, really hope that you will thoroughly enjoy yourselves. And we release you and send you and to do that which God has called you to do. So on behalf of the church and the Board of Trustees, give you a gift. I mean. Just watch your face when she sees it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Ah. Uh, this is a um, oh, <laughs> uh, P and O cruise for two. Uh, uh, from Brisbane to Melbourne via Vanuatu, New Caledonia, and the Loyalty Islands for eleven nights. Oh, that is nice. thought it might have been a dinner. <laughs> All it is, it's a lot of dinners wrapped up in it. <laughs> um, I, you know, obviously as I'm heading toward um, the last four days of working in the church office, I've been thinking a lot over the last, you know, about the last 18 years and it's been an incredible journey. And as Mike said, of course there's been the um, rough times, but for the most part it's been a, just an awesome privilege and um, I especially honour Mike and Joy because they've allowed me to work in that position. Um, that's given me so much opportunity to grow and change and to learn new skills, including fixing photocopiers and all sorts of other gear, you know. I'm quite ex an expert now. And um, to work with uh, you wonderful people and for you wonderful people, but most of all for Jesus Christ, you know. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I've had. And, you know, when you come to an end of a season, when it's in God, it's right. And um, so it's great for me and it's great for the church and all the rest of it. But it's still a sad time, you know. So, But uh, it's just been wonderful. And I just thank you, Mike and Joy, for the opportunity and for the wonderful pastoral staff that I work with now, Doug and Kate and David, even though I'm still going to be working for David, and um, Cecilia and Steve and Ellie, and, and especially have enjoyed um, Karen and David working in the uh, office of the last so many years, and Karen, 10 years, absolutely awesome friend as well as workmate, and it's just been amazing working with the voluntary staff that come in and do what they do. Thank you all so much. Pastor Lynn, 
wonderful friend and support and Jill Manning, my prayer partner. <laughs> she sees me through some hard times, so that's good. Yep, thank you so much, all of you. It's been wonderful. And I'm still here, by the way. I am not leaving the church, and I'm going to be doing other things. Yes, I'm going to Cambodia with Pastor Lynn in September. So, <laughs> yes, so, um, yes, I'm still definitely in the church, but it's just God just spoke to me quite clearly that my season in the church office had finished. And the opportunity of the job with uh, David and Sue came at the same time. And, um, and I know for the church that they got an awesome, awesome opportunity now to bring in all these young, wonderful school people to, to do the administration in the church. It's going to be marvellous. As Sylvia said, it's uh, like the end of a season in one role and then the beginning of a new role. And so part of that is going, to, uh, um, and, uh, going up to Cambodia on missions and then an involvement in ministry role more than administration role. You'd always have some giftings in that area, but I believe Neil and Sylvia need to just move into a different level of ministry rather than just making things happen, actually touching hearts and lives of people. So we're expecting a whole new level uh, of enlargement will take place for you both. But the next years are going to be the best of all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give them both a great clap, shall we? Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it fantastic? Fantastic. We just love you so much. Can I really miss you? But have a great sense it's right in God. And a great thing to know when, you, when something's at the right time in God, you do the right thing at the right time. It's a good thing. Isn't that true? In fact, one of the keys of uh, actually succeeding in life is that you recognize seasonal changes and you work and cooperate with the season. When it's wintertime, certain things happen. Summertime, springtime, different things happen. At the moment, there's a fresh season in the church. How many have felt like in the last... Uh, four weeks, six weeks, been a change in atmosphere in the church. How many have been aware of that? And uh, there's been a number of things have happened. Uh, I believe we're in a fresh season in God for the church. Uh, you'll see Ian has been taking some photos around the church. Uh, the photos are picking up some things manifesting from the supernatural realm and the atmosphere over the worship as we engage God. And he'll share with you a little more about that at another time. But uh, it's clearly that God is doing something fresh in the church. And so you can sense something happening in the atmosphere of it. It's because God's presence is coming in a fresh way. And it's coming particularly around times when we really focus on worshiping and loving the Lord. So you notice we just let things run a little longer this morning. So you're going to find with the services, it'd be a little more focused just on our engaging God, our worshiping Him and connecting with Him. And I want the church to recognize this season and begin to respond. Now, several things I believe are going to happen in the next few months. So I'll just talk with you quickly about them, uh, just so that we can prepare our heart. One of the things that's really important is if we sense God doing something different, is to ask, why are you doing this, and what do you want to accomplish, and how can we work with you? And so I really want to be able to work with the Lord. So although we've got a lot of things planned, we also want to adjust our plans so we can flow with what God's doing. And one of the things I believe God is doing is calling people to enter and to encounter Him at a deeper level, to engage Him from your heart in worship, and to let him bring change in your life. And so to help facilitate what we sense God wanting to do, we'll, we'll adjust the, the, the services a little bit so you'll find there'll be a bit more emphasis there on the worshiping and engaging God. Don't sit down and switch off. Allow yourself to actively open your heart to engage him and to talk with him and to worship him and connect with him because change takes place as we encounter him. How many found it's hard to change yourself? 
Yeah, but beholding him, we're changed. So as we just gauge a fresh passion with the Lord, then a lot of things will shift in our life. The second thing I believe is you need to start to strengthen your prayer life. Begin to start to engage more time in praying and pushing into the presence of God, opening your life to be able to engage Him, to talk with Him. That means fasting is a part of that. So just do some fasting and begin to start to cry, God, I want you in the season. I want you to change me and take me further. Okay? So to help facilitate it, there are a couple of things we're going to do next term. <clears throat> One, we're going to run two encounter retreats. They are to encounter God. I've asked Ian if he would lead these retreats. He's been doing the same kind of thing overseas in America. They invite him over to America to, uh, to do intensives of bringing people into encounters, of fresh encounters with God. So he'll be running two retreats and an opportunity for everyone because uh, obviously husband and wives can't always get together. So at least there'll be one you could get to. So we'll announce the dates. Just book it aside. It'll be a Friday night and all day Saturday. And it is intensive, but it's designed for those people who, are, who are really uh, desire to encounter God in a deeper way, to come and engage God and let God do some work of change. The second thing we're going to do, which will just be a change through the church, is all the groups right through the church. How many remember we did the Purpose Driven Life? Remember the Purpose Driven Life? And how many, how many were impacted by that? Something changed in you doing that. That's because we all did the same thing at the same time, all went in the one direction at the one time. And God really touched, I think, many of us uh, I believe it's done something very powerful in the church. So what I want to do for next term is for a whole term, we've got something else that we're going to introduce into the church for every one of us to come on board and be involved in. And uh, some of you may have read a book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. How many know that book? He's redone that book now, and it's been put into a format and videos and DVDs that can be used as a small group interactive in a church situation, small group situation. So just to sum it up for those of you who know nothing about it, essentially the core of the book is about identifying <clears throat> how offenses have entered your life which block you and stop you going forward in your walk with God and what you can do to remove them. So it covers a whole lot of issues about hearing the voice of God, about issues of authority, about offenses in the heart, about handling injustice and mistreatment. It, it's actually designed to uncover if you are in an offended state and to help you remove it and to cooperate with God in walking with him. So we're introducing that into the church during, uh, over the next term uh, into all of the small groups, and I'll pick up the themes of it on Sundays so that we can just allow God's spirit to open up our lives if there's issues we need to deal with so we can engage God at a deeper level. I'm expecting that we will see increase of the supernatural, increase of a number of things happening in our lives. So it'll be about for a term or so that we'll be doing that. That'll be fantastic. Now, the equipping track will still continue. If you're on the equipping track, stay on the track and carry on doing the equipping. Just get the book and read it in your own time. If you're doing the equipping track, stick with it and finish it. And I want you to drop that because we want you to finish it, come into membership. You can just get the book. The book will be available in the church in, a, in a three, probably about three weeks' time. This one I'm not going to give you. This one I want you to buy. Now, we've got an excellent price. We got it down from about $22 down to about 12 So when we've, got it, when we've got it finalized and we've got the things then, I want you to invest in it. It's not, a, <clears throat> it's not a big cost. But the reason I'm not giving it, as I gave with the Purpose Driven Life, is this reason, because I, need, I believe you need to have a buy-in to what God's doing. You've actually, in various ways, got to come up front and say, God, I'll put in the effort. And so when, if there's no sacrifice, there's usually no power, no change. So for this, it's different. 
This, I want you to make a decision to recognize there's a fresh season in God and then to just begin to flow with it by beginning to let God work in your heart over that period of time. Get to an encounter treat, build your prayer life, participate in the worship at a deeper level, and then let God speak to you through the book about what in your life needs to be removed. I guarantee you, if you'll just enter that season wholeheartedly, you'll come out changed at the other end of it. I believe you'll find God will, even if you've read the book, God will uncover stuff and deal with our life. Isn't that fantastic? Praise the Lord. We'll run the same uh, course next year. So those who are on the equipping track, you're not going to miss out. We'll all run it as a small group next year. You can do it then. Praise the Lord. Where's Karen? Karen here? Somewhere, somewhere here. Karen, come on. No, not that Karen. There's the other Karen. The Karen had a miracle of healing. Karen, is it? Which one was it? Sure. Karen, sure. Karen, there we are. Sorry, Karen. Karen. Come on, Karen just wants to just, uh, share with us just something very exciting God did just recently for her. So let's give her a welcome as she comes up. Hi. Um, a few years ago, I started getting little lumps on my breast that a lot of women get them. They are little cysts, and they can be quite painful. They come and go, but really not a lot to worry about. And the doctor said to me when I got one of these lumps that um, this is the norm. If you ever get anything different from the norm, you've got to come back and see me. So I had a lump come up about two months ago, and it felt very, very different. It grew to twice the size of the other ones, and it just continued to grow and be very, very painful. Excuse me, I'm very nervous about this. Um, <clears throat> and so I went to the doctor and said, look, this one doesn't feel normal. And he said, no, this is because this is not a cyst. This is one of the lumps we worry about. And he said, with the size and the shape and where it is, he said, I need you to go to the doctor to see the specialist very quickly. He said, I can put you into the hospital he said, and the earliest I can get you in would probably be a matter of a few weeks because this is urgent. You know, a couple of weeks in the hospital is, is very fast. He said, but I actually need you to go private. He said, I need you to be seen within days. So four days after I saw the doctor, I was in to the specialist being seen. Now, in between that time, I contacted my cell group and I contacted my sister-in-law cell group and I told a few other people through the church and people started praying and sharing, and I said to everybody, please share, I need a lot of prayer. And the time from going to the doctor when I was told that this is something worth panicking over, till I got to the specialist, the lump had completely gone. There was nothing there. Well, the specialist actually said, I was, I was supposed to actually have a biopsy at that time, and the specialist said, look, I'm going to postpone this biopsy until you've had a scan and until you have had a um, mammogram. So just the Monday that's just been, I went and had my scan and had my mammogram, and I was booked in for um, 9 o'clock for, uh, for the mammogram and 10 o'clock for the scan and 11 o'clock for the operation. And I, was, I, I knew in my heart that there was nothing there. The operation was completely cancelled. There is nothing there to operate on. He, he, couldn't, he just couldn't explain it. I knew. I knew that it was. I knew it was a miracle from God, and the, the specialist just couldn't explain it. He just said, "Oh, it's it's gone." <laughs> so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap, shall we? He's still a God who heals.
Isn't that fantastic? No operation. No operation. Jesus healed. What an awesome thing. Praise the Lord. Is there any sick people here among us? Quickly now, stand up. We need to pray for you right now. You just heard a testimony. Jesus still heals. Heals cancers. Why don't you just stand up? Don't come up the front. Just stand where you are. If you're sick in your body, stand where you are right now. Let's believe God to touch you with his healing power. Amen. Come on, stand if you're sick in your body right now. Just quickly stand up. That's right. Church, why don't you reach out and lay hands on them right now. God's wanting to do it through you. If you're nearby, lay hands on them. Come on now, let's reach out and let's pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we rebuke sickness and infirmity. We declare by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are healed. We declare and decree healing in Jesus' name. Father, let the healing power of Jesus flow through the atmosphere into this place. Let bodies and lives be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Believe. Release that power into their life right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Fantastic. Cancer lump healed. I like that. The doctor didn't know what had happened to it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. You want to get both of those mammograms and keep them as your testimony. The one before you were prayed for, the one after you were prayed for, coming from the same place, a testimony that Jesus Christ heals cancers. Amen. He heals cancers. I think it's long enough. People have died of cancers. Time we saw more healings of them. Isn't that right? Jesus doing great things. I just got a letter from someone uh, and has shared with them some things God's been doing. And they sent back and said, God's been speaking to us that uh, there's a call to the church, to the throne room of God, and an expectation that over the next months there will be an increase in the supernatural. That's someone in another country saying the same thing. So I believe it's exciting. Hey, tell someone, it's exciting to be alive. Oh, the alternative isn't too good. <laughs> okay, Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. We started a week ago just uh, on a series, uh, Made for Dominion. And I want to speak on it today. Again, just picking up another aspect of it. Next week, I won't be here. I'll be in Indonesia. And uh, it's an interesting thing about Indonesia is every time I decide that I'm going to do a missions trip there, about a week before we get over there, there's warnings come up in the paper and the government warning, do not go to Indonesia. Whatever you do, don't go to Indonesia. They have these signs in the paper. We've warned you. And uh, so, so <laughs> uh, we still, it's every year. It's always the same. About the same time I go, there's always these signs up. So we're going anyway. Got quite a few of my family will be going, and then we're having a week's holiday as a family after that to celebrate. Uh, we're 59 now. We're entering our 60th year. So got the whole family, every one of them will be coming with us. We're going to have a week's holiday in Bali after emissions. Our reach going to be fantastic. So just pray for us here. So be away a couple of Sundays. I'll have a video clip for you just to share with you some things. But right now, I want you to look for uh, Philippians 4.13. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do. That's the kind of attitude God wants you to have. A can-do attitude. A can-do attitude. Too many people today have got a different kind of attitude. They've got a negative attitude. I can't, or it's hard, or it's impossible, or it can't be done. God wants you to get a can-do attitude to life. A can-do attitude is an attitude that will cause you to think through what you can do that will get you to break through in that situation. 
We're looking at a series called Made for Dominion. Last week, we shared with you three thoughts uh, out of the Word of God. I'll just remind you of those. Number one, you were made for dominion. God made man for dominion. Psalm 8, it tells us, you have, what is man that you're mindful of him? You have made him to have dominion. God made you and wired you to have something inside you that when you face a challenge and get the victory over it, there is great fulfillment. You are made to be a winner. Winning is in your makeup, not losing. Winning is in our makeup. So whenever we see something where someone has prevailed over, over odds, uh, we feel great about that. Uh, I remember seeing someone was interviewed about why they climbed this particular mountain and gone up the hard face when there's an easier path. And they said this, because it's there. Because it's just there. And it represents a challenge that I wanted to overcome. See, it's in the makeup of people to actually have a sense of fulfillment whenever you attempt something difficult and you achieve it. That's because you're made for dominion. You're made to conquer things. One of the things that happened when sin entered in is, of course, men conquer the wrong things. However, God has still put within every one of us a desire to face challenges and to win through them. Some, it's more strongly uh, apparent in their life. They become entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur can never be happy just managing a business. He wants the next challenge. This part of it's a dominion. This part of it's part of God. God made us like this. God created all the world. He has dominion over. He wants us to share in it. So we were made with the purpose of being able to actually be a steward over and make productive what God has put around us. What a great call! Oh, you're made for it. Not only that, you have a mandate. You've been given the command by God to prevail. In Genesis 1:28, subdue, have dominion. That's the first command given to Adam. Subdue, face the giants, face the problems, face the devil, face the disorder, face the chaos, and overcome it and bring it into divine order. You see, it's part of who we are. We're made for that. Don't complain anymore. When you complain, you're part of the problem. You need to be, I've got a can-do attitude. I can be part of the solution. Now, that is the mentality the church needs. For too long, church has been on the back foot, defensive, hiding away from actually standing up and saying, we have a can-do spirit inside us. We need to start to rise. Well, Jesus' last, listen, Jesus' last command to the disciples, 12 men, actually 11, one had failed. So, to, to 11 of them, he said... Go make disciples of all nations. And so, now that's a pretty big task. That's actually going into every nation, every culture, every religion, every area of the world, and realigning it so people follow Jesus Christ. That is about dominion. What a mandate. When you read the book of Revelation, you find the church succeeds. Men and women out of every tribe, people, nation, tongue, through all the world, there before the throne of God. Why? Because some people said, it can be done. It can be done. When Hudson Taylor went to China, they said, you can't do that. When he wouldn't wear the fancy clothes of the missionaries and he identified with everyone else around the locals, what did you can't do that? He was rejected by everyone, but he has an influence that's still there to today. See, people went to places where others said you can't do it, and they did it. 
They did it because there's something in us that when we align with God, He says, you can do it. You can get over that addiction. You can get over that habit. You can break through in that circumstance. You can do it. You can. You're wired to do it. You're made to do it. In fact, I'll tell you something. If you don't do the things God put in you to do, you will feel extremely low. You'll extreme. You'll feel a lack of fulfillment. Your esteem will drop. When we are not doing what God wired in us to do, we don't feel good about ourselves. We find a substitute for the pain. You were made for more than this. You were made for more than this. You were made to be great. You were made. There's some challenge out there, and you're the answer for it. Come on now. You've got to get that thinking. There's something in the community, and you're the answer. There's some person out there, and you're the answer for them. You have an assignment from God that takes you where people are in need, and God has put something in you. Maybe it's just your testimony. Maybe it's what God did in your life. You say, well, I don't have many gifts. I don't have much. Listen, friend, you have an experience of God. Someone needs what you've got. You say amen to that. Tell someone next to you, someone needs what you've got. Someone needs what you've got. Notice what the, the, the last thing that we raised last time was. The ability, the ability to be able to prevail or have dominion is the result of receiving something from God and being able to release it. Let's say that again. The ability to have dominion is the result of receiving something from God and then releasing it. Hey? So you and I must position ourselves to receive from God and then must learn how to release what we've received. And so when we do the series on taking dominion or made for dominion, it will obviously have aspects where we need to realize, how do I receive from God? Hence, you can see God drawing the church, connect with Him. You can't receive anything unless you're connected. And secondly, how to release what we have so we become an influence in the community and influence in nation. You say amen to that. Notice what he says here, I can do. That word there means, in literally in the original language, it means, that, that can do word means to prevail, to gain the victory, or to exercise a force. Isn't that amazing? To prevail. That means to win over something. It means to exercise a force that causes something to yield. It means to prevail or get the victory. So when, when Paul is writing, he's facing a particular challenge, and he said, I have a prevailing force within me. I can do it through Christ. So he identifies where the source of the ability to overcome is. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's actually, notice what he says, I can do it through what? Now listen, he's saying I can do it through Christ. He's saying I can do it through the anointing God has placed within my life. There is an anointing that God places in your life as a believer, and it's that anointing. It's the life within you that enables you to get the victory. Through Christ, listen to this, through Christ or the anointing which strengthens gives me the power to have dominion. That's what that word means. To strengthen means to give you the ability or power to have dominion. To give you the ability to prevail over circumstances. Notice where it is. Where is it? Where is that ability? It's inside us. 
When you got born again, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, God put His Spirit in you. The same Spirit that's in you was in Jesus Christ. And what you saw Him do, He can empower you by the same Spirit to do the works of the Lord and to do what He called you to do. Listen. He, when he came to earth, he emptied himself of his power. He came to earth. He, he was as a man dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus showed what a man full of the Holy Ghost can do. Well, imagine what here we've got several hundred men and women. If you get full of the Holy Ghost, learn how to draw from God and release what you've got. Imagine what would happen. The creativity that could be released. The music that could be released. The finances that could be released. The, the, the young lives change that could be released. Oh, 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 just imagine what it could be. If you could release what God has placed within you in a seed form. That's having dominion is about strengthening and growing and developing that inward life with God, the inward life in ourselves, and then releasing what we have. The problem is, to release it, you've got to change up here. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Your thoughts will enable you to release what God has put in you, or they'll stop it. So we're going to have to deal with our thoughts. That word, as a man thinks in his heart, that word to think means to split open or be a gatekeeper for your life. Your thoughts or what's in your soul are the gatekeeper for the life of God, either to be withheld or to flow. God's not partial. He'll give it to everyone. Okay? So, can-do attitude. You need a can-do attitude. I can do it. What God called me to do, I can do it. Now listen, did God place you in the city? Then you can do whatever He called you to do in the city. Did He place you in that neighborhood? You can do it. You're going to have a can-do attitude. Listen, everywhere around this, people say you can't. But can-do, Yes. Yes, I like that. It's actually something inside your spirit when you start to think and pray that way. All right, then. So I just want to talk what it means to have dominion. And uh, I guess there's a lot of things we could say. Now, but I want to just give you a simple definition. And then I want to just uh, identify three things related to it. But the actual dynamics of how it takes place are all connected to being able to access the life of God and release what God has given to us. It's all about what's inside you. Notice it said through Christ who strengthens me. And we saw that Paul's prayer was that you would be strengthened with overcoming might in your inner man. Now, how's it got to get out? You have to choose to express it. It's one thing to have the Holy Ghost inside you. It's another thing to be committed. It's another thing to have a sacrifice in your life. It's another thing to do the things that release the life of God to touch others. But I can guarantee, unless you're doing it, you'll never be fulfilled. But when you start to do what God called you to do in the power of the Holy Ghost, friend, you'll not anywhere be addicted to other things anymore. There's a fulfillment comes with it. It is so addicted. You know, Paul talks about being addicted to ministering. It's releasing what you have. So if you're in business, then business is where you need to be addicted and creative. Hallelujah. Okay, so let me just give you a definition, a simple definition. Dominion means to exercise authority or have a prevailing influence. It means to exercise authority. We'll have to explain what that doesn't mean a little bit later. But to exercise authority or have a prevailing influence. In other words, at the end of the day, what you said will count. To have a prevailing influence. To have a prevailing influence. As a representative of Christ acting on his behalf. Now, you see, we're not talking here about motivation stuff. We're not talking about things like that, which are really good. They build the self-life and a lot of great principles in there. But at the end, always, it's very self-centered. And it's always about 
uh, us getting the glory. Look what I did, look what I built, look at da 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 It actually isn't Christ-centered. So in defining dominion, we're not going to define it in terms of just being able to do things or have a great career or do this or that. I want to get it in a better perspective. So dominion man means uh, being able to exercise authority or have a prevailing influence as a representative of Christ and acting on his behalf. Now, once you start to see this, you realize that to have dominion, there are three things at least that form a part of that. If you're going to exert an influence, that counts. An influence that lasts. Now, there's unsafe people. Make, let me just say this. Unsafe people can have an influence that prevails. They don't need Jesus to have an influence that prevails. In fact, I would say this, that in our community, unsafe people are having a prevailing influence in most areas of it. In our nation, unsafe people are having a prevailing influence in most areas of our nation. But that doesn't mean they win at the end. You see, what's needed is for believers to decide they will fulfill their call in Christ and pay the price necessary to become a prevailing influence. When you get on a board of a school, you can have a prevailing influence. You start to get into, 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 the, into city government, local government, you can have a prevailing influence. See, one person can make such a difference if your influence touches everyone. So the good thing is, of course, how do I get that kind of thing in my life and how do I release it around me so I impact people and start to influence people? See, last night there were, how many, uh, Friday night? 900 people here were influenced. And you know what? They had a great, great church experience and didn't even know they were in church hardly. Hey? That's because there's a prevailing atmosphere over them that we created. You can have a prevailing influence. It goes right down to just your family. I remember when my father was having his 80th birthday, he said, listen, we have it in my home. Why in my home? Because I want to have the prevailing influence. I want to set it up so it does exactly what I want. And so I served to get the prevailing influence. And you see the secret of getting a prevailing influence, it always involves serving. Okay then, so dominion means exercising authority or having a prevailing influence while representing Christ and acting on his behalf. In other words, if you just want to do your own thing, then there's nothing different from you and any unsaved. We want to talk about biblical dominion, which is advancing the cause of Christ. Here's number one. Dominion means acting as a representative of Christ. You must act to represent someone. You either represent yourself or you represent the Lord. I want you to think about your life and who or what you represent. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 45, when David faced the challenge, he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, he was acting to represent God in the earth. Now, God is in heaven. He got all the gold he needs up there. He got everything he needs up here. What he wants, though, and what he needs, though, is men and women on the earth who will represent him accurately. Religion does not represent him accurately. Religion turns people off God. Religion totally turns people off God because it misrepresents him. My friend, you and I are called not just to come into church to be blessed, not just to get healed and delivered, but to live a life which represents what God is like. Listen, when Jesus came into the earth, he came to represent what God is like. You and I are called to do the same thing, to represent Christ today in our community, to represent him. See, to be a representative means you actually present him again, what he's like. I tell you, people look at a lot of Christians and they say, if that's what your God is like, I don't want anything to do with your religion. It's because they see the legalism, the judgmentalism, the lack of love. They see the poverty-mindedness. That does not represent God. 
If you are mean, critical, negative, you don't represent God. You represent the devil and what he's into. If you're an accuser of people, a fault finder of people, you do not represent God on that day. You represent something else. So we are called to represent Christ. If you're going to have dominion, you have to act as his representatives. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, Henceforth, we no longer live for ourselves. If you're still living and you want a bit of add-on God, you're not going to experience the great things God has for you. Our life is caught up. He gave the best for me. I will give my very best. Whatever I do, I'll do my very best for him. See, it's about living for another person to represent him and represent him well. He says then in verse 20, he says, Now you are ambassadors. You represent another. You present Christ again. This is what, you know, the world isn't turned off God. It's just turned off church. Think about that. See, people everywhere are, are aware of a need for something. What they don't want is organized religion full of lovelessness and lack of relationship, just, just non-genuine, full of judgmental attitude. They don't want that. What they're looking for is something that's real, authentic, that will make a difference in their life. But if they look at your life and your life is not a prevailing life, an overcoming life, a life that walks and obviously got something different, people look at they're turned off. They say, you haven't got what I need. You still do the same things I do. So you've got to, one of the first things about being, uh, have a dominion life or to begin to bring dominion, you've got to realize when you and I walk through there, we are representatives of someone. You represent Jesus Christ. You also represent Bay City. You are a representative. You are an ambassador. Now listen, you can't represent someone unless you closely identify and attach yourself to them. You see, I can't represent the government of New Zealand, except in one area. That is marriage. I can do it for marriage. Okay? I can't represent the government of America. Why? Because I'm not connected to them. I don't identify with them. Therefore, I can't present, represent them. To represent someone, you actually have to be closely attached and identify with them. In other words, to identify with someone means this is who I am. See, to represent Christ means you present him again. And to do that, you've got to identify with them. How do I identify? See, notice this when, when someone comes into an enemy camp or something like that. Someone, they say, halt! Identify yourself. Who are you? Now, you see, the majority of Christians live in defeat because you can't, we can't answer this one question. Who am I? See, I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I am born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am made right before God by that blood. I am a representative of another kingdom. You see, that's who you are. You say, well, 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 I'm a doctor. No, 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 no. First, you're a representative of another kingdom. Then you function as that representative in the field of being a doctor. And uh, maybe you say, well, I'm in business. No, 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 no. First of all, you're a representative of Jesus Christ and you represent him in the area of business. But you've got to own up and come up front and not have a secret Christianity, a hidden Christianity. You've got to pay the price of identifying with Christ, identifying with him personally, and then as we'll see, with his church as well. And that process of identifying with Christ that gives you access to his life. You cannot have life without accessing him. He's the source of it. 
So I have to identify with them all the time. Do you identify? I'm failure. I'm no good. I can't do this. I can't do that. Listen, if you're thinking that way, you're not identifying with Christ. The risen Christ is a winner. He won over everything in life. You have that too. But don't identify with the old life, with its struggles and its failures. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I carry the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You need to think differently. The prevailing life comes out of closely identifying with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch, you can't produce fruit unless you connect, identify. The way people generally identify with Christ is by personal faith and trust in Him and confession to that, and then by water baptism. Water baptism is a public... Now listen, this is what water baptism is. It's not just some little service. It's actually a public statement to the spiritual powers... When Jesus died, I identify with his death. I died then too. When Jesus was buried, I identify with that death. I was buried too. When Jesus rose again, well then, I rose with them. Who am I now? I'm not that old failure. I'm not that old defeated person. I'm not that. He died. He died. He died. There's a new man. He's called Christ living in me. That is what God is wanting you to carry in your spirit. The new man. Because that's where the life is. It's found in the new man. In Christ. The anointing within us. That's why the Bible, Paul says, it's no longer I that live. See, what is he saying? He's saying, the old I, the old me, was a murderer, a religious bigot, full of pride. I died. Hey, he's no more. I don't count those things anything now. I'm a new man. I'm living for a new person and a new cause. Friend, that's a crucial part of it. And you see, sick. So, and to identify with a church, you become a member. You become a part of a local church. How can you represent the cause of Christ if you don't actually identify with who he identifies with? He identifies with a body of people called the church. So if you're going to walk with God... First identify with him and connect to him. Then you identify with a local church, connect to it and become a part of what is going on in the life of that church. That is how you do it. You will never have prevailing life apart from that. You cannot. And over the years I've seen dozens and dozens of people, listen, this is what happened. They allowed themselves to be offended and remove themselves from the very place God had placed them. And that stopped them accomplishing the very destiny God had prepared for them because God places you somewhere. He placed you in a family. He gave you a family background. He gave you a genetic history. He placed you in a city. He placed you in a church. Don't ever leave where God placed you. You stay where God's positioned you until God moves you because your positioning is part of God's plan for you to represent him. You have to understand that. So the devil do everything just to get you offended, upset, so you move out of the purpose, the call, and the placement of God. Can you say amen? So we will identify with Christ publicly by my confession and publicly by my lifestyle. Friend, the Bible says of a people that deny Christ in their works. What kind of life are you living out there? Have you chosen? You're going to identify with Christ? Are people attracted to God because of you? Or do they say, if you're a Christian, give me none of it? You see, the church has got to wake up. Majority of the church does not represent Christ. It represents religion. And let me add to you, 
as I've gone around, I'm becoming more concerned about Pentecostal churches everywhere, not representing Christ, representing an old move of God, dry and stale and no life, no passion. Friend, it's time for us to get fresh life, fresh passion, fresh connection with Jesus Christ. And that starts with a commitment. It starts with saying, God, you're my life. My life is found in you. I will commit to seek you, to identify with you. I will not deny you by the words I speak or the actions I do wherever I go. What a commitment. But you notice what it said. The New Testament church, they turned the whole world upside down. They became the prevailing influence. Do you think there's any difference between the church today and the church then? The church in that day had the same Holy Ghost. And they influenced a whole region so much the whole economy of the region altered. And there was a riot because silversmiths and making idols were put out of business. But friend, you and I, we've got to catch that same fire and that same passion for God. It's about connecting with God. It's about having the life of God inside. So I'm not living now out of just trying to be a better person, trying to have success, trying to work hard. i got a life of God, a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, anointed life. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me with might in the inner man. You say amen to that? I run out of time. I have to forget. Leave the other two. We'll pick up the other two another time. But glory to God. Father, we thank you for that prevailing life that's available to us. That life that enables us to get the victory over sin, over every kind of negative thing, and to have an influence in our community. Lord, we want that to come in every kind of way in our life. We want to advance the cause of Christ. Lord, we want to have an influence right through this area because that's your plan for us. Lord, we want to be out of the walls, connecting with people, and let them see the fire and say, what's different about you? While our eyes are closed and heads about, is there any person here who's never made a connection to Christ yet? You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Today is the day your life will change by one decision. You are one decision away from heaven. You are one decision away from a destination with God. You are one decision away from a life change. It's that decision is to receive Christ as Savior. Is there anyone here not receive Christ to say, I want to receive him today? I want to receive Christ today. I want to become a Christian, a follower of Christ. Would you put your hand up if there's any person here today, you're not yet a Christian, say, I want to become a Christian today. I want to ask a second question. I wonder how many people here, as I have spoken today, the Holy Ghost has caused you to become aware you live an empty, powerless life. The life of Christ is not abundant within you. You have other priorities than Christ and His cause in fact, you have many other priorities. The day you're saying, God, I sense a new season beginning. And I want to just turn back to you today. Lord, there's been a lot of things that have got my attention. I just got too busy to pray, too busy to connect with you, too busy for church, too busy to advance your cause. I just got too busy. I've allowed compromise in my life. But today, Lord, I turn back to you. In this next three months, as we sense you moving in this church, I want my life to be turned over. I want to experience fresh things. If that's you today, put your hand up quickly. There's a many need to be making that statement today. This statement that you'll make, Lord, I'm coming back to you. Lord, I'm coming close to you. will trigger off change in your life because God honors that. He honors a commitment, a decision. Lord, I thank you for people responding today. I thank you, Lord for your abundant life in us. Father, touch every hand that's been raised today. 
over this next few weeks. Let them begin to progressively encounter you and your life-transforming spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't we stand, church? Let's begin to honor God. If you're a visitor with us, come on up and have a cup of coffee afterwards. God bless you, church. Come tonight and come Thursday with David Hogan. I know it's going to be great, challenging meetings. Let's do it. Let's do it. Don't forget, if you're a visitor, come on up and have a cup of coffee.